Welcome to the Dear Doc Podcast, where we will discuss the business of running a dental practice with a panel of experts. Now, your host, Dr. Christopher Hoffpower. Hey folks, this is Doc Hoffpower coming to you from my studio here in Alvin, Texas. Today, I am joined by Dr. Emily Latran, and um, Emily is a consultant and a practicing dentist. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about her life story, how she got to where she is, what it is that she does to help other dentists, and, and her life as an entrepreneur in dentistry. But first, let's take a little time to talk about our sponsor. Hey folks, before we get into today's program, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about one of our sponsors, DocSites. DocSites provides affordable and effective websites for dentists with no long-term contracts, transparent pricing, and great customer service starting at only $59 per month. They also provide optional online marketing packages to help you increase your online visibility. For special offers, including up to 25% off of your website setup, text PODCAST to 818-489-9823. Again, that's 818-489-9823. Now this is a limited time offer, so text now and lock in your savings, or you can visit DocSites.com forward slash TBOD for more information. Okay, folks, we're back. Um, Emily, how are you? I haven't seen you in quite some time. <laughs> well, thank you so much for uh, inviting me on the podcast. And thank you so much for creating this platform so we can share our insights, our thoughts, our resources with our colleagues to grow our businesses as dentists. Um, I'm doing okay. I'm coming in from uh, California. And uh, it's, uh, it's great, you know, with this technology where we can be talking as if we're in the same room, right? And Absolutely. a couple hours difference in time zone. Absolutely. You know, I'll be out there with my wife um, over the next couple of weeks. We're going out to uh, Cabo. So um, I, I'll, I'll be near you guys, the California Peninsula. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, let me know. I'm close to Pasadena, which is about 45 miles east of, um, east of LAX. Fantastic. Yes. Well, so Emily, um, you've been doing this consulting thing for how many years now? It's uh, going on seven years. Okay. And uh, when did you become a dentist? Uh, <laughs> it's 1993. <laughs> Graduated from UCLA. Gotcha. And, and so what was it that, you know, made you pursue dentistry as a career, uh, what was kind of the the buildup to that? Uh, was it a childhood thing? Was it something you're just like, hey, I think I'm going to be a dentist one day? You know, what, what was that? What brought you here? Well, this is the part where I, I tell people this is the uninspiring story uh, <laughs> <laughs> on, you know, becoming a dentist. But I, I, I'll tell you a little bit from the background. So I was actually born in Vietnam uh, right. back in the late 60s. So I grew up basically during the Vietnam War. And then uh, the communists took over in 1975 when the war ended. And uh, a couple of years after that, my aunt decided to leave the country because, you know, life is very different with the, with the communists versus the free country before that. Um, and so she, was, she took me, my older brother, her two kids and two other cousins to escape. So we, um, we left on a boat. We ended up in a refugee camp in Malaysia. And then we came to the U.S. So when I came to the U.S., I, 
I share with people my luggage really would just hope and faith. As a 13 years old, it's not like you know a whole lot. You know enough to be scared, but you don't know enough to be worried. You know, because if, if it were at this age, right. I'd be really worrying, right? So I was just trying to learn to assimilate. Um, when I went to high school, they, they tell you to take, you know, foreign language and the choices were English and French. I mean, French and Spanish. And I didn't even know what Spanish was. So I just took French because I had no <laughs> idea what, what Spanish was. So as I went through high school, went through college, it's a lot of just learning the culture. And uh, I'm on the conservative side. So I only need to know enough to, to get by per se, right? Like this is a safe zone. I, I'm just going to do this. But when it came time to deciding where to go once I was in college, I was in college for three years undeclared. I knew I wanted to be in healthcare, but I didn't know which one. So um, toward the end of the second year, I was thinking, okay, I do not want to be a doctor because doctors were wearing beepers, you know, remember the beepers back in the day? I did not want to be bothered with the beepers. <laughs> and I look at the cell phone now, right? And uh, so I checked out um, pharmacy. I went and talked to a pharmacist at Savon. I asked him what he does and he said he count pills. So I thought, no, that wasn't, that wasn't too cool. So one of my friends actually came up to me at a party one day and say, hey, I heard you wanted to go into pharmacy. And I said, yes. And he said, don't do that. And I said, why? And he said, because his parents were pharmacists back in Vietnam. And in Vietnam, the pharmacists run their own shop. And, mm -hmm. you know, like old town, right? So where they dispense and they also give advice. So it's more than just, it's more than, you know, what it is right now. So he said, don't be that. Go be a doctor. And I said, no, I don't want to wear a beeper. So he said, okay, well, go be a dentist then. And that's how I chose dentistry. I really went into dentistry with, I think I had a couple of fillings in my mouth. Um, it's very different from, I think a lot of my classmates, either they had extensive dental, dental work, um, you know, dentistry changed their life. That's why they right. went into dentistry or sometimes somebody in the family. Um, those are the two very common reasons why somebody go into dentistry. And for me, it was just, it was an advice from a friend to not do something else and just go do dentistry. And as I went through school and went through, you know, my journey, I, I really appreciate that because I think dentistry is one of those career where you can really build a relationship with your, with your patients. Yeah. And I think that's the greatest blessing, being a dentist. So, repayez-toi palais français? Un peu. Un peu. Je peux un peu... J'ai en classe à l'école et j'habite à Louisiane. It's it's a little oh. bit different. It's a broken broken French or or patois. Right. But I, right, I still speak right, a little right. bit. But it's been so many years since I've uh, I've had someone to yes. practice with. Yes, I did. I did four years of French, and then when I was in college, I did one year of Spanish. And um, yeah, we we had a great French teacher. The second day, you, the first day you're in class, she said you have to pick a name, a French name, and then you cannot speak English. So the first day you could go. <laughs> You could ask going to the bathroom and that was it. That was your, your chance. <laughs> but we had a great oh, yeah. uh, opportunity. We actually read uh, literature. We actually read a, a, an abridged version of Les Miserables in French. Oh, my, that's and, my favorite. Actually, you know, yeah. it's funny. My two favorite musicals, Les Miserables and uh -huh. Miss Saigon. 
Okay. You know, I have never seen Miss Saigon, but Les Miserables oh, is my it. is my favorite book. But you you've got to see it on Broadway though. You don't don't just go to like a you know. Right, right, right. The last the last time we went to New York, it wasn't on. So um, I'm going to schedule it to coincide like that. I uh, yeah, but Les Miserables is my favorite book. Actually, my first Christmas in the U.S. was spent reading the original version of Les Miserables. I read it with a dictionary bigger than the book right next to me because we had nowhere to go. We didn't have family. So, you know, I was just at home. I got two weeks. And I decided to tackle that book. And, and I knew the story because I read it in Vietnamese, right? So, uh, and this was when I came, I was in eighth grade. So I haven't learned any French or anything at that time. But yeah, that was my very first book I read in English. It took me so, two weeks. So as a, as a, a second generation um, American uh, that came from a communist country, do you, do you worry about the future of the United States with the way that um, things are, are currently progressing? Um, I don't know. I would probably be considered first generation, right? Because well, you, weren't, you weren't born here. You, so it's right. you're actually kind of like a, in a strange in the bin between. You came here so early, right? <laughs> right, right. Because I came younger. Um, you know, the very first thing I want to say is I did not understand freedom until I got to this country. Because back there, the in, and I think in any communist country, um, you live in a little bubble uh, that the government created for you, right? So you read certain things that they allow you to read. Um, you watch what they allow you to watch. So you don't really know that much, but because you didn't know, you didn't know there's life you know, outside of that. You don't miss you, it. You, you don't miss it. Then you came here and you go, what? You know, like I could do this, I could do that. Um, so the way things are going in general, um, well, especially since about what, a little bit more than two years ago when the pandemic hit, right? So that all of a sudden there's a lot of regulations, right? Um, and I'm okay with the regulation, just don't infringe on what I Personal do in my, in my practice, Absolutely. right? But I also hear a story of, and I think it's on social media now, it may or may not be true, like even with us, oh, Somebody's going to report you if you are seeing patients and you're not supposed to, you know, like that kind of thing. Right. Well, it, 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 it harkens of... back to mm -hmm. those, the pogroms, you know, Nazi mm -hmm. pogroms and other communist country pogroms mm -hmm. where citizens were turned against each other and, and they used that fear. It, it worries me a lot. I, you know, I've, I've spoken to a lot of friends who, like yourself, came from a communist country and they tell me that the things they saw in the pandemic that there were very recognizable moves, that these are the same moves the communist countries did whenever they took over, is they they created this division in society and they used that to make inroads. That, that scares the death scares the death out of me. Uh, we, we've got an amazing opportunity here. I, I think some of us haven't suffered enough privation in our lives to appreciate it, perhaps. Yes, and, and I think what happened is, you know, just like anything, right? You take things for granted. And um, I, okay, well, I'll give you an example. When they say you cannot have a waiting room, right? Uh, your patients have to stay outside and all that. I mean, I understood, I understood the science, the science behind it, right? The mm -hmm. reason, but I never did that. Right. You know, I just never did that. For me, it was just like, no, you don't, you don't tell me what I do in my house because our office is our house. 
And I'm gonna take that universal precaution. Of course, I step it up. Um, I ask people to sit six feet, you know, away from each other, or whatever. But I never went that far, if you if you if you will, um, because I just don't believe in, you know, that freedom being infringed on, right? For me, right. as as to how I run my practice, and I think, um, you know, so when people don't know that, and it's just here's a list of what you're supposed to do. I remember when it first happened, every Almost every day, the president of the CDA was having a little, like, he's hosting a meeting every day. And I went mm. on every every day for a week. And basically what he said was he doesn't know what we're supposed to do. Right. I, well, there, was a, week, there was a lot of uncertainty. You may remember, right. I, I interviewed the president of the ADA and, you know, right. all of these people. And, and no one really knew what was going exactly. on. What frustrated right. me the most is, so I, I think you know this about me, before I became a dentist, I, I had a whole life before becoming a dentist. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I did everything from owner remodeling company to uh, genetic research um, as a molecular and cellular biologist. And what frustrated me the most was so many smart people were subjugating their brain to the he said, she said thing, because we already knew what coronavirus did. I mean, if you were a virologist or a microbiologist or you know, a molecular and cellular biologist, you knew what it did and you knew the possibilities. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you knew that as morbidity increased, mortality would decrease because that's the way shit works. I mean, it's just yeah. science, you know? Right. So it, it frustrated me that so many people subjugated their knowledge and their minds to, to, to pro propaganda is really what it was. And, yes. you know, it, that, that, upset me, but it also terrified me um, because I, I was born much like yourself. I was born very, very poor. I had nothing. And my parents had nothing. Um, like uh, my parents actually, it was kind of the, the proud moment of my dad's family that he went to trade school because yeah. then he was quote in college, which it really Exa wasn't right. Right. That right, was college right. to them. And so it, it was, um, it was very different upbringing, I think, than most dentists have, um, because I think they have a lot of things handed to them. A lot of people do. Mm -hmm. um, but it, I think it gives you a different philosophy. It, it gives you a different mindset. And it gives you, I think, maybe a fundamental confidence in the things that you know, and you know them to be true. Well, you know, back when you and I went to school many decades ago, you really had to have the means to go. Right. You know, because if you back then, either you 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 have to you know you have the family has to have the money or you need to get the scholarship or the grant or right. you have to qualify for the loan because sometimes the loan doesn't even cover the whole thing right then you have to go right. and borrow a personal loan so it's a it was a little different when we went to school versus now where i think you can just take out the whole loan but at least the loan is available right, right. and i and i know some of my friends back then if they in another state like one of my friends uh was living in florida I mean, in Alabama, and between her and her sister, they took turns: go to school one year, go to work, then the other one go to school. And between, and that's her, just the way we did things. Yes, yes. One of them became a doctor, and one of them became a pharmacist. So it was it was different. It was for me. It has always been okay. This is a tough situation. Go back to the basics, right? What do I know, yeah. right? And what scared me, well, the one moment that really scared me was when one time I had a PhD. Um, she teaches at a private university in Southern California, a very famous one. And uh, she was coming in with two little kids. And so she came in, I think maybe five minutes before her appointment. So she actually called from the parking lot and she said, 
can I come in? Right. Mm -hmm. And we said, yeah, come in. Because I mean, again, I wasn't doing the, the waiting room thing. She came in, she was in the front. I was dismissing a patient. So, you know, patient was walking out. And there was another patient that came in from the morning to pick up a repaired denture. So basically there were three people in the waiting room crossing path right. and, her two and her two little kids. And she said, Dr. Letran, let me go. Can I talk to you in another room? So we, I took her to room one and she practically yelled at me. Yep. Why would you have three people in the waiting room? And I, and, and she'd been a patient for a very long time. And the, it scared me because this is a PhD. Right. She, could, she reads and she knows all these things and there are three people passing by. There's an assumption of knowledge and an assumption right. of intellectual capacity. Right. But she was practically yelling at me and we, we good friends, we joked and we talked about this and that. And that's when I realized that, you know, number one is I got to decide like what I'm going to do, right? Based on what I know, because if I just have these kind of people dictating me, I, you know, I may as well just say, <laughs> you know, hey, what, what would your schedule, what would you like for your schedule to be? Let me just right. do it for you, right? Um, and the second thing is to understand, to realize that that fear of propaganda, um, it gets to all of these people. Absolutely. And so whatever coming out of their mouth is, you, you can play safe if you want, or you're going to have to kind of put your foot down and tell them some science and and stuff. But you know, you, you got to pick which way you want to go. And I think it's great because we can still do that right now. We can still have that personal freedom. Um, and then at the same time, you realize that propaganda, that power of propaganda, right? Because when I came here, I understood how powerful it was. Like today, right, right now, I, will, I can sing those songs to you. And I learned them when, before I was 13, right? because it's just ingrained in your head. And I could recount certain incidents, you know, things, you know, that we follow this and we do this and this, and because it's that strong. And I think people need to, you know, like, again, like I said, go back to the basics. You, you already, we already know a lot. We don't need somebody right. to tell us what to do. And if they do tell us what to do, just take a moment and ask yourself. Are they more qualified than me? <laughs> yes. Or I, I mean, I didn't get here because I listened to so-and-so, right? I got right. here because I was figuring things out. I was listening to some other practical gurus. And I think I'll stick to that. Right. And um, I hope people, you know, just pause and think about that before they go and implement the next thing that is that, that was that it would be told to them. So we've covered a little bit about personal philosophy and kind <laughs> of what makes you up and, and what kind of forces drive you as a person. Uh, let's talk a little bit about you're in practice. Um, you've been practicing since 93, right? And um, you suddenly something happens. It's like I, I tell patients, you know, you've neglected your mouth for years. You came in today. What happened? Something changed the way you think. Something changed your circumstance. What is it that moved you to treatment? So what is it that moved you after all these years practicing to look around and say, I need to help people? Because if, from, from what people don't understand, I think, about coaching um, is that it's actually, if you are a successful dentist, it's actually a hardship to coach. It's a hardship to lecture uh, because 
you know, when I was practicing clinical, it was nothing for me to make $10,000 in a day. I mean, like literally almost every day mm -hmm. and to go on the circuit and to um, get an honorarium. A lot of people don't realize your honorariums are only like 3,500 to $7,500, unless you're actually the one who's doing the program. You're the one who's putting it on. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there's a lot of expenses involved there too. I, I think people don't realize these, these shows cost between 35 and $70,000, depending upon what venue you're in. So it, it's not a huge money-making scheme. So you have to really have a passion for helping others to do it. So what was it that moved you to that place? Well, you know, uh, first of all, I would say not everybody can be a coach. I, I truly believe it's a calling. Um, specifically for me, it was a calling because it's much easier to just show up and do dentistry, right? right. Than do, like you you mentioned events. Most people don't even get to, like they don't even want to deal with events because right. that, that's a whole other thing. So, um, you know, I was practicing. <laughs> you know uh, me, I'm not that smart. I, I just bite <laughs> off things like that. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 you know, like you're, you're talking about this level because some people just want to start coaching. They don't, they don't need to put on an event. But, um, but I, in, uh, back in about 2010, I was, um, I, I got one of those consulting companies. Um, back then they were called Exec Tech. I think, I think they became MGE, MGE now. I'm, that's MG, what I hear. Yeah. M, yeah. MGE? Yeah. So anyway, they, they would fax these, you know, weekly facts on tips. And I was already reading, um, I graduated in 93, I did a GPR. So I worked from 94 to 97, then I bought my first practice and then the second one, et cetera. But I was already reading, you know, um, Dental Town, which is, which mm -hmm. is brand new there. I was reading The Profitable Dentist. Um, right. I was going to little seminars. Like I was already doing all of this on my own, right? And it wasn't easy because you got to subscribe to things. It wasn't free stuff and things like that, right? As in right now. So I was reading all these, all these facts and I said, this is pretty interesting. And then they send an, a fax that say they have a meeting, right, in town at this office. I went there and it's just my luck. I was the only one that showed up, right? So I was there with two other consultants and they just, they were just like asking questions. And of course, as you know, we didn't really learn business in school. So sometimes right. when people start asking these questions, you're thinking, wait a minute, I've been, I've been doing this for so many years and I, I don't know the answer to this, right? Right. They, they came. They told me they want to talk to all my staff and then they're going to give me a proposal. And <clears throat> I was very inclined to work with them. But what happened was they interviewed all my staff and they came back and they said, you know, all of your staff have one chief complaint. And I said, what is it? And they said, every day you take off two hours to go pick up your kids from school. And that's their complaint. So one of our suggestions is for you to stop doing that. You need to get somebody to go pick up your kids. And that just totally turned me off because again, mm -hmm. going back to, well, they forgot, be, they forgot your why. I know. And, and they got this pretty nice, you know, stack of proposal and, you know, 30,000 or whatever back then. And I said, okay, no, thank you very much. And I said, uh, but that was really the thing that, that made me say no to them. And for right. a lot of people, it may not be that big, but for me, it was very big. And I absolutely continue doing that until, Everybody got to high school because in high school, we one and, one and a half block away from school. So everybody walk once they get to school, high school. So then uh, I start 
looking into more of those consulting services. And um, I went to Scheduling Institute. I was one of the 5X member for a couple of years. When I found out that uh, Jay Geyer is a student of Dan Kennedy, I said, okay, let me just move over and just study from Dan Kennedy because I don't need right. to pay whatever the amount was um, to work with Jay. It was and, an excessive amount too. <laughs> yes. Well, he was the first one that went out there and said it's 100000 for two years. Right. And I think it just shocked most people, the, the figure 100000 although there's a lot of consulting that is thirty to 50000 a year. But because he phrased it that way, it was a big shock. Now, he's a genius in marketing and he's a very good student because what, what Dan teach, I see him doing that. So I, I was still continuing to be in the Dan Kennedy circle. I actually met David Felt. I'm sure you know him through Dan Kennedy circle because we've mm -hmm. never met each other at any dental thing, <laughs> you know? So, uh, and then one day we were, we were in the room and uh, I was sitting there with a couple of our dentist friends at, at this business conference. And we all thought, you know what? Maybe we can use the knowledge that we already have to help other people. And at the same time, we can monetize that because obviously you value your time. Yes, you're going to help. But at the same time, how about you just create another income? Right. And um, the next thing I knew, Brendan Bouchard came on stage to talk about marketing. Then you can go to his event. I went to his event and he was pitching high performance coaching. So for me, it's almost like here's the path you said you wanted to coach or teach people. Here's the guy. Here's the program. What are you going to do? So for me, it just made sense to do that. But once I did that, so I got certified in 2015. It took me about a year to like create some content, make a website that actually show that I have some experience for say. Right. Um, that's when I actually started doing that. My, my focus is on high performance coaching, which is personal growth. Mm -hmm. I can do the consulting. I can, you know, people ask, you know, how to grow the team and get more patients, those kind of things. Um, I think, a lot of us could do that because especially if we've done it ourselves, right? Over the years, the high performance or the personal growth, I see such a big gap in healthcare, mm -hmm. which is what's holding you back. But right? you say, what is your why? Some, sometimes you have a consultant come in and just like the one I described, they're just going to give you here, this is what you can do. But they never really try to understand why the heck I take two hours every day <laughs> to go pick up my kids. Yeah, that's that's definitely a a missed touch point for them there. Now, for right. for those of for those of you who don't know, um, if you haven't done a lot of coaching, and Emily and I both have done hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of coaching, what you end up finding is that there are about seven or eight basic truths, and there are about three ways to tell a story about each one of those truths, and that's all the individual companies offer that's different is a different way of telling you about a truth that is a universal truth. And what I found is that as I started getting into my fourth or fifth or sixth year of doing coaching with different people, that they were all teaching me the same things. And I, the lessons that they were teaching were common sense to me. Now, I, that's not to say I didn't learn anything because I learned something. Even, even if I watched the same, the same video twice. I'll always learn something because I'll say, oh, I hadn't thought about it that way. That makes more sense because, you know, your, your brain's kind of like a spider web. You have all these little areas that you hang your knowledge on and they interconnect. And so at some point you get to where you just realize that you already know everything everyone is teaching. 
And then if you just come up with a different story to tell about one of those fundamental truths that might resonate with someone, that you might actually have something to give. Um, and for me, I haven't gotten to that point where I want to do that yet. Um, I, as you know, and we've, we've spoken a lot. Um, I've, I've been very successful in practice. I'm very happy with where I am. I don't have, like you said, that drive, that need right. to teach right. others. Um, and so and, I, I don't know that that'll ever be a thing for me. I, people ask me all the time, do you do coaching? Right. Right. I'll give you some well, tips here for free. Right. Just do this. Right. Just leave right. Me alone. Right. <laughs> right. Well, um, to kind of add on to what you say, it, it, it's exactly like you're reading a book a second time or you're watching a movie a second time. And right. all of a sudden you, you say, hey, I didn't see that last time. Exactly. This, the same thing is true with coaching, consulting. It's at that moment you realize, you know what? I actually want to go to that next level. I've been doing a million. I, I actually want to do a million too right? Or a yep. million five for whatever reason. And I always tell people, I don't care. Like one of the focus just to make it easy is going to be money, right? Like make more money. I don't care what you do with the money. You could be making more money and then you go and you open a nonprofit and you put it in there, right? right? It, does, it doesn't mean you make more money and then you go and you buy a bigger house, you know, that kind of thing. So it's just it's, a scorecard. And it's, it's not a scorecard to tell you if you're doing better right. than go down the street. It's a scorecard to let you know if your personal growth has increased over right. the previous year. Right, right, right. So, but you have to keep an eye on that because sometimes people say, well, money is not important to me. You know, why would I want coaching or whatever? And, but at the same time, they complaining about certain things. I, I money coaching, is the currency of Coaching would help. Yes. And, and there's a, you know, there's a lot, like, like you say, there's a lot of ways to look at that business. There's a lot of ways to define success. And when I'm talking to people, you know, when I schedule that first call, I call it a focus call. It's basically asking them questions to kind of gauge, you know, where are their values and are they happy? And do I think I could help? That's really is what that call is for. Because even when I tell people, okay, let's chat about whatever and, that and Do I want to help you? Are you crazy? Exactly. Because <laughs> yeah, that too, that too. You get a lot of those. <laughs> right, right. Because, and the other thing, the other saying, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of us know is when the student is ready, the teacher will appear, right? right. When you're ready, all of a sudden, like, hey, he's talking exactly about what I say, I tell myself that I want to do. And it could be, they've been talking about that, but it just like, do you, you, you weren't ready, right? So, so I understand all that. And of course it took many years where you're learning and you're, and you're helping other people. And when I decided, you know what? Okay, I, I want to make this into a career, right? Because at, uh, at the transition for me, will be eventually working one day a week in clinical, and, you know, four days in coaching, whatever that is, right? right. Um, coaching, speaking, uh, because I do love the clinical part of it. 30 years later, you're kind of, okay, I figured it out, <laughs> you know, now there's new technology is going to make this better, this easier. It depends on, do I want to go totally into that, you know, all of that technology? Or to me, it was, it's more, it's more important to run that practice that I love with the patients that I love. And now my daughter's gonna be graduating from dental school next year. Uh, I look forward to helping this little person, right? To, for her to grow and for her to enjoy life, hopefully a lot more than me, because I can tell her where all the potholes is, you know, like don't do this, don't do that, that kind of a thing. And, and I think that's, that's the greatest joy in, in coaching is to see that your client um, 
they are happier. And, and that's kind of my scorecard for coaching someone. Are they happier working with you? Right? right. Yeah. Because sometimes, again, it's not, it may not be the money. <clears throat> if they have more, <clears throat> excuse me, if they make more money, but they're not happier, then I'm not sure if I deliver value, even if what they want is to make more money. I think, we, I think a lot of people misplace their idea of success. They believe that the money is what they're looking for, but in reality, it's the freedom. Yes. And that is part of your personal success. Right. Right. Like, like when you say, we'll, we'll just touch a little bit about what we talked about before. If, if you had the money or if you had already established a practice, right. And you run it to the best of what you can and you have staff that are loyal, whatever you want to call them, you know, they solve it. Something like a pandemic hit, like for me, it was, okay, this, 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 uh, not in my control. Whatever's happening inside this house, this practice is in my control. <laughs> I can, fear of I, influence, fear of yeah, control. <laughs> I, I know, yeah, like, you know, at that, during that time, it was control. Like, I, this is the schedule I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to rotate the staff, whatever it was, right? Because in California, they want us to see one patient an hour, right? And on the day that I'm in by myself, I got seven freaking up, right? Patient walk from the front to the back, they go, what happened to everybody? And I said, well, we're supposed to only see you today, right? For this one hour. Why? Well, that's the recommendation, <laughs> you know? Right. And, and I just kind of laugh it up, right? Because at the beginning, there was, at that time, we didn't know either, but with seven rooms, with separate partitions, it's, it's not open bay. I knew it was right. safe. I could sit one in room one, one in room seven, and nothing would ever happen. I, I'm just right? glad those idiots didn't didn't make us do positive pressure rooms. I know, because the talk was going there, yeah. and, and, and the talk was about buying all of those machines. Um, one of the doctors that I refer to, he has a group practice, uh, all specialists. He spent a couple hundred thousand to, you know, whatever added to his practice and for me again that go back to hey doc <laughs> you know uh nope. we we learned certain things did we have to jump on that bandwagon and i'm not saying i'm not saying that you know you did it that you're wrong i'm just saying mm -hmm. just just pause and ask yourself do you know enough you know the real reasons too so mm -hmm. i actually i got a uv sterilizer like one of the mm -hmm. hospital operating right 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 put it in the room within 10 seconds everything is dead right and so what i did is i made it part of our practice tour and this is the hospital grade uv sterilizer that we use right. to make sure that you're <clears throat> and this over here is the the triple filtration with a military filter you know, HEPA right. filter that we got just to make sure you guys are safe. So don't worry about anything we've got you taken care of. And you make it selling points and you make it to where exactly. it, it's something different than anyone else has done because you're explaining it to them. You're making it part of their experience. Right. That's right. really what patients are after. They're after an experience. They don't know that. Mm -hmm. They and think you, you're there for dentistry. You, <laughs> and you make it, you make that part of marketing. Absolutely. Okay. So there's going to be an ROI. For sure, because it's part of your marketing. And, and then the one that don't really make part of the marketing, and they make it more like, look, we're following the guidelines because we love you. It doesn't have the same effect, you know, that, right. that as, as what you just said. So, and how do you know the marketing? You study, you learn, you have a consultant who help you. 
because we don't have to figure everything out ourselves. And for me, I always tell people it's about acceleration. How fast do you want to get to wherever you want to go, right? And because if you don't really care about the timeline, then just take your time. But if you do care about the timeline, then having somebody help you will always speed it up. And, and it's always funny to me, people would go and, you know, oh, I'm going to spend a week, a weekend, a couple of weekends learning cosmetic dentistry, learning right. implant dentistry. But no, I'm not going to spend any time growing myself as a person or learning marketing to, to help me be better in that aspect. One of the things I tell people, and I think that this is one of those universal truths, and this isn't something that I learned. Well, that's not true. I So real quick story, MGM, or MGE rather, split mm -hmm. off from a different company and it split into two companies. One of them was called Silken and the other one was MGE. Silken okay. took a less um, pressury approach to, um, to their consulting. And um, that is actually who I got my consulting through. So they, they taught, you know, management by statistics, which God guys learn how to manage your practice by statistics. It it's, mm -hmm. makes things so much easier, but they, they taught all the tonal scale and all that kind of stuff. And they were very, very useful. Um, but one of the things that we learned was in sales, people like to do business with happy people. So the more you work on yourself and the happier you are in your skin, the less pressury you seem whenever you're putting out this big treatment plan, the more of a confidant rather than a consultant you become. And whenever you do that, all of a sudden you start closing huge cases. I mean, granted, you have to have the skills to be there. Mm -hmm. That's paramount. You don't, don't try to do stuff you're not capable right, of. Right, 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 right. But the average dental practice, according to the ADA, produces, let me see here, as of this year, most recent statistic was $666,000 a year. That's their gross production. And I, I don't know about you, but I know for a fact, if I had to start from scratch, I could start a scratch startup right now, and I'd be over a million dollars production by the end of the year or, or in, in, within a year of starting. Mm -hmm. I know that mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I, I've done it. I know how to do it. I can repeat it. It's that knowledge of how to talk to people and how to talk to yourself because right. a lot of us as dentists, and it, I think it has to do with the way that we're, we're trained, with the way that we're selected for dental school. We have this self-hate gene and we have to, we have to like, there's, there's this, um, there's this order in the Catholic church that practices self-flagellation. You know, they they whip themselves if they feel like they've done something okay. wrong, mm -hmm. and and that's us. We're we are all about self flagellation. You know, damn that crown margin could have been better. And you you get to a point where you see an older dentist, and they haven't learned how to talk to themselves, but they've learned how to make excuses. And so they'll they'll say instead of that crown margin could have been better, they'll say, oh, that patient was just a hard patient, which is true too. Don't get right. me wrong. Right, it could be both. It, I think they've given up and they've given up that passion and they lose something there. They, they lose that desire and that just joy of having done something amazing for someone and getting to get paid for it, right? So I think that self-flagellation gives us two traits as dentists that cause us to fail. The first is self-hatred and self-doubt. 
And it leads to imposter syndrome. Whenever you actually do become successful, you look at yourself because you've heard so many of these old jaded dentists that say, like my first boss told me, any dentist who can produce over a million dollars a year is crooked. Hey guys, this is Doc Huffpower, founder of the Business of Dentistry and host of the Dear Doc podcast. Today, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about one of our sponsors. 4G Dental Labs has been a sponsor of the Business of Dentistry for over two years now. They're a family-owned business located here in Houston, Texas. They're fast, they're reliable, but best of all, they provide affordable quality. They're just plain, honest, good people. For our TVOD members, for your first 20 crowns, every fifth one will be free. Contact 4G Dental Labs at 833-682-8901. Again, that's 833-682-8901. Or you can mail or even just stop by. Jeff Guidi, the owner, would be glad to see you. Yeah, I, I you know. Yeah, I, I know you've heard that, right? Yeah, and I want to expand. do something on, wrong. Yeah, I want to expand on that just a little bit. And, and it, you know, we all went through dental school, and especially those of us who graduated a little bit um, a while ago, is it's kind of part of the, the process. They, they'll put you down. Any kind of right. dignity or self esteem you have, the dental school is going to wipe it out, right? Uh, and I don't, I'm not sure why it's changed, though, because my daughter is going to UCLA right now, same school that I went, and she doesn't have that problem. There, there's going to be a certain instructor who talked down to you, mm -hmm. but in general, that wasn't how the school was, was run, and it was definitely how it was ran when I was there, right? right. So I, I remember in first year, somebody told one of my classmates, your handwork is no, is no good. You should just drop out and go to med school, Okay. I mean, it took a lot of things to get into the stupid dental school. And I, well, now you're just, you're just telling me my handwork right. is no good. And really, handwork is something you can, you can work on, right? right. Because it's, it's practice. So, uh, but for the certain people to say things like that, they just didn't understand the psychology, right? And I talked to a doctor a couple of weeks ago, and, and he, he, was, he started out a conversation. Well, yeah, I want to ask you some questions about my 10-year startup. And I just stopped him right there. I said, doctor... Not a startup, it's 10 years old. Startup, right? Startup is like two years, three years. Right. The thing is, 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 is thinking, the mentality. As long as you think you're a startup, you give yourself, like just you like you said, the excuses. Exactly. That's why my staff is this way. That's why this is this way. And, and people say it again all the time. Well, we didn't learn this in school. Well, yes, I think after about two years, if you, re if, if you need to learn it, you got to go learn it yourself. There's just so much right. resource out there. So it's not an excuse. Now, when you work with a consultant or a coach, that's meant to be accelerated because they can just go in there and say, oh, these are the five things, you know? Right. And this, this is the true universal truth that you, like you mentioned. These are the things I want you to pay attention to. And whenever you do the negative self-talk, think back, right? Well, it's, it's like it's like buying a used textbook. I, I was laughing with my wife. I've spent so uh -huh. much money over the years buying new textbooks because I always believed I had to have the new textbook because that's what the teachers and, and the professors told me. And, you know, uh -huh. and I spent so much money on them when they barely even cracked the damn textbooks. It's, it's a waste right. of money. So right. I bought a used textbook for a class I'm taking right now because I got uh -huh. bored. Uh -huh. And um, 
it, it's un, it's outlined like it's highlighted right and there. i was laughing and i said i should have been buying used textbooks the the the, the entire time someone already did the work for me <laughs> did the work, you know? exactly and, yeah, and that's what I, consulting is like it's like buying a used textbook you know it, it it's 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 a bunch of information that's been, that's been highlighted <laughs> exactly it's been highlighted it, you know let's where's the cliff notes let's get to right, let's get to the good stuff right exactly and and again that i go back to when you mentioned at the very beginning your why like, why do you want to improve right now? And then the next thing is how fast do you want to improve? Because, you know, you could be trying to improve 10 things and you can immediately see the result or you say, you know what? I'm going to do one or two things at a time, whichever way, because you got to be the driver, right? A, a coach right. or a consultant is going to be there to help you. They're not supposed to be driving you per se. And especially in coaching, coaching is us helping you answer your own questions. We are not answering the question for you. And it took me a long time to learn that because I tend to just, I just want to give the answer, but that's not coaching. Coaching is actually asking questions. So eventually the person come up with the answer themselves. And it's, so it's a lot of, it's a lot of more work than consulting. And that's why I say, you have to have that calling. Like, why do you want to spend your time helping this person? Right. And, and I coach people across industry. So, you know, it's not just all dentists and, but the mindset is the same, right? The, the limiting belief, yeah. uh, you know, the, the lack of courage, the procrastination, all of those, they, they're the same because we are human. But what we Absolutely. do is we, we want people to get to the point where, hey, I'm, I'm functioning at a higher level. And so now whatever challenge come my way, I'm just going to go and resort back to those particular things that I had focused on and it's going to help me. It helped me um, when I got certified as a coach and I learned the framework. I realized that a couple of years before that, or just right before that, I went through a lawsuit. Uh, and you love this. We talk sometimes war, war story because it was a lawsuit with an insurance company. <laughs> so I, like, I got to really grow personally. And when I learned all these things, I said, wait a minute, I did that, I did that, I did that, I did that. Not knowing, right? Mm -hmm. Because I didn't have a framework. And then, so then, for example, the pandemic happened. And that's why I went right back to, these are the core things, you know, this is what I learned in high performance. I'm going to resort to this. I'm going to, you know, there's certain things you're going to say, okay, I accept that. Right. Okay. I'm, not, I'm not even going to worry about it. But these are the things that I know that I can focus on. And, and I was, you know, I, during the year, those years, um, I was in a mastermind. We went around and asked how everybody did. And I said, well, I was forced to work less, but I make the same, mm -hmm. right? And as soon as it came out of my mouth, I'm thinking, wait a minute, hey, this yeah. is a win. <laughs> <laughs> this actually sounds pretty good. <laughs> right. But when everybody heard, oh, you, you can't work or whatever, you just, all of a sudden, you think that you have to work all the time. Right. You get to whatever well, you are. You know, you're talking about during the pandemic, one of the main things that I did um, when I did see a patient, I'd say, hey, look, I, I don't know when they're going to let us back open. I don't know when I'll be able to get you back in. You've already taken the day off of work or if they were, you know. Right, 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 right. One of the necessary, you know, yes, professions. Uh -huh. um, can we just go ahead and get all of this work here done so exactly. that you don't have any emergencies and I can't come in to see you? Because I, I would really hate for you to be in pain at home and me not allowed to help you. Right. People would go, we can do that? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're here for this thing right here. Exactly. Doesn't mean I can't take these, I can't care of these other things. Cause this one right here, this one meets the standard for me to be working on you, but we don't want the other ones to reach that standard. So let's go ahead and get all this knocked out. And then we won't have to worry about any more emergencies. And then, then you stop and you say mm -hmm. these magic words. Does that sound fair? Yes. But <laughs> and then I'm you laughing. shut up. Yes. I'm laughing because you and I, we're very similar, right? Because there are dentists during that time who would just fix that one tooth right. and send the patient home. I saw so many patients from other offices and they just said, well, my dentist just won't see me right. because he says it's not an emergency, right? And but sometimes it's the emergency to the patient. It's I was going to say th th right? th that that tree goes like this. Yeah. Patient calls. Are they in uh -huh. pain? Yeah. No. Are they afraid they're going to be in pain? Yes. That's an emergency. If it's an emergency right. to the patient, it's mm -hmm. an emergency. Because right. That's where the emergency takes place. You know, exactly. we all know. Yeah. Almost no one dies of a dental infection these days. Exactly. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. I suspect that more people are hospitalized because of dental treatment rather than because of the lack of dental treatment. I, I think, I think more people are hospitalized because of um, iatrogenic. Mm -hmm. Right. But mm -hmm. that's just, just putting it out there. Sense. I could be wrong. <laughs> I don't have, I don't have statistics on that, but right. it, it's the feeling I get from talking to people. You know, right. I've, I've literally, I've never seen anyone hospitalized for a dental infection, but mm -hmm. I've seen someone hospitalized for an infection for a bone graft. Right. And, and mm -hmm. I want to, I want to just expand a little bit on what you said. Um, like when you're telling the patient, you're already here, let's just do everything. Right. I have two specific patients who came in and they came in first for what, whatever pain. Right. Right. And, and one of them, after we fix whatever she go, okay. And then I'm also ready to do Invisalign. Okay. And I'm looking, I'm looking at her and say, yes, of course. But why now? We've been talking about this for a couple of years. She said, I didn't like the way I look on Zoom. Right? So yep. sure, let's just take, you know, get started and get your I, I think that was one of the biggest boons to dental practices ever. Yeah. When when people okay, there was a it's hidden shame, right? Uh -huh. Because when people started wearing their mask, that little voice in the back of their head that would just, it would start to pick about their teeth or their appearance or what have right. you. And the rest of them would just like shut it down. It was silenced for a while. And then all of a sudden the big reveal, just mm -hmm. like whenever we do a, a case, I don't know about you, but whenever I do a, a case, that's a cosmetic case, uh -huh. I really talk it down. I don't know. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Said, you tell me and I hand them a mirror uh -huh. and that's when the tears start. Right. 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 It's right. All right. about showmanship there because then they tell all their yes. friends how amazing you are. And so yes. it was showmanship for them, but working against themselves, they pull this mask off and uh -huh. then boom, they're hit with all the ugly and all the things that yep. for years they've been ignoring. And it just drove it home in their brain every single day. And they started thinking, are people seeing what I look like? You know, right, 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 right. Amazing. They've been talking to these same people every single day for most of yeah. their lives. Yeah. But it took that being away from people and being reintroduced by video and them seeing what the other person was seeing. I have been seeing, right? And and then I have, I have yeah, and I had another older lady. She came in because her dentures were hurting her, right? Again, right. it's her emergency. And and I told her, well, we need to make new dentures. It's just these I can't I you know, she's a, she was a new patient. Okay, let's get started right now. And I right. said, you know, I'm only supposed to see 
emergency. <laughs> like I wanted to make sure right. that she understood. I'm going to do this for you. Well, she was in pain yeah. though. You know? No, no, I know, I know. But uh, I could adjust the denture right. and tell her to come back when the pandemic is over. You know, that kind of a right. thing. It, it's a different mindset, right? But I, I made her the new denture and, and it was funny because she just said, this is going to be the secret between the two of us, right? I'm going to be coming in and it's not an emergency. You know, it's not right. an emergency because we're making the denture, right? But it, mm -hmm. but it taught me that lesson where, and, and just like you said, it's because that we've learned Sometimes we, we've been studying, we've been learning, it's become us, which is what I want to do with the coaching, right? Become right. you. You don't even think twice. When you're, when you're in the sales process, you think for the patient, you think for the customer, right? right. It's it no longer, well, the rules say you whatever. No, th this person is in my chair, in my house. This person needs my help. It's do I pull the trigger and actually help this person? Or do I go and revert back and say, no, the rules say this, and I cannot Absolutely. help you, right? And and that take courage, that take understanding yourself, mm -hmm. your core values, if if independence and, and being, freedom, being and freedom. a good physician of the mouth too. I mean, right. so let, let's look at that denture. Uh, that patient came in and and they were in pain, they were in discomfort. We right. know that the masticatory efficiency of a denture is between forty five and sixty percent of natural teeth when you have right. implants. Right, so right, right, right. A, a normal denture, even one that's not causing you pain, is only like 30 like or 35 percent yeah. or 15, uh -huh. right? Yeah. And so when you're looking at someone who is having pain, it's even further reduced. Now, malnutrition in the elderly and right. sarcopenia that occurs because of it, I mean, mm -hmm. that is a that's a, a losing proposition. That's a that's a dead end path. You're putting that person down a really bad path if you don't help them. So understanding right. the basic sciences behind it and the reasons for these treatments is another way that you can, you know, at least in your own mind, say, you know, hey, this is an emergency. It, they may not be bleeding out on the floor, but if I don't help right, this right, person right. now, mm -hmm. I don't know when I'll be able to, and they're going to be eating less and they're going to be malnourished, which means they're going to be more likely to catch, you know, COVID, which means exactly. you know, it, and it, it, it's, it, it builds on itself, but you have to truly understand your art and your science and be a true physician of the mouth to think that way. Yeah, and I will tell you that a lot of what you said is not something that you learned from school, right? Because no, the school- I, I, I may have I, done I, a little CE <laughs> since I got out of school. I, exactly, like I, the 15%, I know I learned that from school because that's what school taught, right? right? That I, I got that statistic. And, and that's sometimes I have to explain to the patient, I can make you a denture like this, or I can make you the implant denture if, you, right. if you're going from partial to, to that situation, right? And so what you say there comes from C's, come from years of learning, of experience. Um, it's a lot faster and more efficient for you to make the new denture and try to adjust the exactly. old one and make them happy with the old one. Um, but, uh, but again, some of, the, some of our colleagues in general, they don't spend the time learning that, right? And then, and then they're frustrated because I keep, they keep having to adjust the denture, right? right? Whereas you just say, I'm not adjusting your denture anymore after five times or whatever, because I know it fits well. Uh, your next step is an implant and it's going to be 15, 15 grand. And, but I have financing for you. My, right? my, my then, dentures on, on, my, on my consent form actually uh -huh. said that they got six free 30 minute appointments right. or adjustments after the delivery of the denture. Um, mm -hmm. but that any, that, that the first day on delivery, that doesn't count, but every single time they would come in, my receptionist was trained 
because we had systems, that. right? And they were trained to say, "Oh, Mr. Smith, that's th it's great to see you. I see that you are in here for your fourth out of five denture appointments. I just want to remind you of that. So let's make sure we get this thing really fitting well today, right? Oh, and just right. to remind you, hey, look, this is your fifth out of five denture appointments. It was six, but you know, right, uh, right, 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 right. So yeah. The thing is, is that you're you're telling them every single time. They're hearing it every single time, and then they're signing off on that consent sheet every single time. So the patient, we don't like to admit when we've been wrong, anyone, and we don't like to admit that we've been told something was gonna go was gonna happen when we didn't think it was gonna happen and we ignored it. But whenever that patient is seeing that every single visit six times and they're being told every single time and they're signing on it every single time, you know what you don't get? You don't get patients who are like, well, I don't understand why you can't adjust it for free again, because they know right. you've set the expectation of how much. And, and, and you also tell them whenever you deliver, you set expectation. Hey, look, you know, the average patient comes in here. We have to, we have to actually adjust twice when we have to start adjusting five, six times. A lot of times it's just better to start again uh, because it, it, it's, it's obviously it's not working. Something is wrong. And right. Right. We, we need to, we need to take a different approach. Yeah. But it, it's communication. It's understanding how people think. It's understanding what motivates people. And that is individual. It, it's not like you can read a book and say, say this to every patient. It is, I've got this diagnostic tree, just like when we're diagnosing a disease have right. this diagnostic tree and patient A go down, goes down this path, patient B, patient C. Oh, well, you know, they may have the same outcome here, but it depends every single branch along the way of that tree. You're going to diverge and you're going to use some slightly different. You might, you might use some framing. You might, you know, they might be the kind of patient where you need to sit up in the chair and you're above them because they want to be told what to do. They may be the kind of patient who's very forceful and you need to get down in the chair and you need to be looking up at them and presenting your case so that they feel like they made the decision. They may be someone who wants a confidant and then you get eye level with them. You lean in, put your hands like this and you just listen carefully. Mm -hmm. Speak softly, succinctly, and you repeat what they say. All right, Ms. Jones, I hear what you're saying, but I want to make sure I really understand. You're telling me that what you really want is such and such. Am I, am I understanding you? Okay. So we can't do that, but we can do this. Does that sound right. fair? Yes. Okay. They said it's fair. Guess what? They can never say it's not fair again because internally right. they will not conflict themselves. Mm -hmm. It's all these little things. These are things you're going to learn over the years in treatment plan presentation. But what you have to have first is confidence in yourself to know that that's the right thing to do and confidence in your knowledge. And that's where you're going to use someone like Emily, because she's going to teach you how to grow yourself. Did, 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 did that, I say anything that wrong was, there? That, No, 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 no. What I was going to say is those exact way of communicating, right? It's that's how you should communicate with your staff also, because again, it's about you as a right. person your communication, your thoughts, your core values, you're trying to be fair by asking them, is that fair, right? And you're setting the expectation. It, it's like every day we hear people say, my staff does this, my staff does that. My first question has always been, did you actually train the staff and did you set the expectation? Because right. if you didn't do that and you're just gonna come out and say, I've written you up five times and I'm gonna fire you 
they're still going to be, you know, you, you're going to have a disgruntled staff. Right. But if every single time you talk to them and you say, we said this and blah, blah, you do this. And so I'm going to write you up, you know, is, is this fair? Because we had already talked about this, right? Absolutely. And just, just let them, you know, tell you whatever. But you know, you know what you said. You know the expectation. You know you have the right to do that, right? And then people go, I'm afraid so-and-so is going to leave. I'm afraid this. Again, that, right. when, that would go back to personal growth. Do you believe in yourself first? <laughs> <laughs> so then you would have the confidence, right? And that's one of the things I learned, you know, years ago when I went through that loss, uh, lawsuit. I got to believe in myself first. Yep. And then a couple of years into it, the lawyer, my attorney say, hey, Emily, I think we should win this lawsuit because, you know, it's finally clicked with him that I'm on the right. You know? Because right. you know how they, when they start working with you, they don't know you, right? And then you give them all of these, you know, documents and things and they get it. And so, so I mean, all of a sudden it just click and say, Emily, let's go kick their ass, you know? So, so I understand that it takes a process, right? And, and, and even when you're confident and you say something, people may not buy it the first time, but if that's you every time, they will buy it. Right. Right. If you it, just sporadically you come out and be there. a hero. Yeah. I mean, it gotta be you. So that's the, that's the high performance coaching that we do is we want to build, we want you to become this new person and it's a habit and it's there a whole you know a whole bunch of things that you need to work on yourself absolutely and then i want that i want that person to show show up at home i want that person to show up at work i want that person to show up at the party right and it's because now it's just it's just you i i, I think one of the biggest compliments i have and this is more with people not in the dental industry because that's kind of where i started outside the industry they keep telling me you know, you, you've grown a lot, mm -hmm. right? And it'd be nice if it was physically, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I could share some height with you there, but, but I can't share any more hair with you. Okay. Yeah. But, but I mean, so it's, it's a validation, right? Absolutely. That you know that you grow, that people are telling you. And, and that's what I think all of us, I don't care if you're in coaching or whatever. It's great when patients and your friends could tell you that you've grown. Like patient would tell me, I can tell that you like dentistry. And I go, really? Right? And it's just the way you say things, the way you do things. Right. They can, patient can read a lot into that. So you might as well just Guess be Guess what? They yeah, like right, doing just, just be business yourself. with happy people. Right. But just be yourself because you could right. pick it this appointment and six months later, you forget. And you're going to be a different person. And they're going to remember because they only see you once in a while. So every single time they see you, you make that impression and they, and they believe this is who you are. But if you keep on changing, they don't know who you are. So you're, you're, you're also tapping into something else there. And I'll say this real quick, and then I'm going to ask you a question. Mm -hmm. um, you're, you're tapping into the consistency principle. And yeah. what that means is that there's been a lot of research for all you guys out there. Cause I know Emily studied a lot of the same stuff I have. I can tell just by talking to her. So it, there's a consistency principle in that people care less about quality than consistency. And it, it kind of blows our minds as dentists because we're always, you know, like we're in search of being the best clinician that we can be or right. having the highest quality crown margins or what have you. But if a person goes to a restaurant, let's say McDonald's, okay, McDonald's isn't successful 
because McDonald's serves the best burgers in the world. They're really kind of trash. They're horrible burgers. They're not very good, at least in, in my opinion. I think mine are better. But <laughs> what they do do a great job of is making sure that the experience you have from the cleanliness of the bathroom to the cleanliness of the dining room to the size of the patty to the size of the fries to the size of the drink to the prices to everything, it's exactly the same every single time. And if you think about that, if you go in one day to a restaurant and it's got amazing food and brag to all your friends about how great they are, you go in another time and the food is trash, you feel internally inconsistent because you have said this place was so great. You also feel guilty. You feel ashamed. I mean, these are subconscious things that flip through your mind that, right, you, don't, right. that you don't dwell on, but they form your opinion. You are very likely to lodge a complaint or leave a bad review of that restaurant. And it's not because you got a substandard meal so much as it is your own internal reaction to your previous praise of the restaurant. People want to be consistent and being a brand and you are your brand as your doctor, you are the brand yes. being a brand that allows people to feel a consistency is more important than allowing them to feel quality, particularly if the consistency of care or the consistency of experience is lacking. Just my last freebie for you guys, if you want to build a killer practice, practice consistency. Make sure you have specific standard operating procedures for everything and that everything is done the same way every single time. And if it's not going to be done the same way, make sure you brag on it so that people know, oh, this is a better way. And then right. make sure it's done that same way every time. So that's that's the last thing I'm going to say. I'm going to ask you for four or five takeaways that someone can listen to this interview and go into work tomorrow and be a better version of themselves. And so they're going to have a better practice. Give me four or five things real quick. And then we're going to talk about how people can contact you if they'd like to talk to you a little bit more, uh, if they've gotten to know you on this podcast and they say, you know, that's the kind of person I want to work with. So four to five things, Emily. Yeah. Well, I would say the most important thing for a lot of us is clarity. And by clarity, I mean, having your core values, having your non-negotiables, um, <clears throat> what's most important to you, what are your goals? And when I say that, I mean, don't just like, I'm so clear in what I want. You gotta communicate that with everybody around you. If you're doing a million and now you wanna do a million too, everybody around you should know that you wanna do a million too. You know, um, the patients, if they wanna know, you're gonna say, Hey, Dr. So-and-so set up this goal. And if we do it, we're all going to go on a cruise. They don't care about the extra 200 that you're talking about. They care about you talking about taking your staff on the cruise. It's the same, it's the same message. We want to grow, but different people could hear a different version of it. And then, then every day people are on the ball. We got to grow another 20%, right? So the clarity is not just for you, for everybody around you, for your spouse, for your staff. Um, the second thing is to have courage. And I think courage and confidence, sort of kind of the same, but I like the word courage because it just, it takes a lot out of you to step up. And I'm talking about patient is bullying your staff, right? Are you going to go up there and kick them out? Yep. Right. Patient, like you just mentioned earlier about the denture. Hey, I pay 3000 or whatever. Well, this set of dentures and what do you mean you can't adjust it another time now not everybody have what you have in general right 
You're going to have yeah. five appointments or otherwise I'm going to charge you. I do that for my braces patient. You can break the bracket so many times. I don't quite do that for the dental patient. But my point is, yes, this is the same patient who keep coming back. Maybe this is a pain in the butt or is this a, a VIP? Which way do you go, right? And, and to, to your point about metric, I always go back and look at how long has this patient been here? How much have they invested in their health? Do I cut them a slack or do I just like, I don't really know this person. We did this procedure mm -hmm. and I don't think I want to put up with this, right? And when you know those things, you can, you can, you know, get that courage up really fast because it's backed by facts, right? right. So courage is very important. Influence is important. Influence is getting people to agree with you. <laughs> that's like, to me, that's a very simple thing, like a simple concept. You present, you present a treatment plan, patient accept. You tell your staff, we're going to go into a different schedule, rotating schedule, whatever, stagger lunch, whatever you want to say, they agree with you, right? You're out there speaking, you're doing a podcast, you, you create the platform where you are the expert because you own that platform, you're creating influence, right? It's a, and you have to take that and you have to brag about it, like you said earlier. And sometimes we can't because we taught that we're not supposed to, right? In California, you can't even put certain words on your advertising or somebody's going to report you to the board, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and I'm not saying to break the rule. I'm just saying, know that you have to create that influence so people know about you so they can come and see you as a, uh, you know, as a provider. And productivity is another important thing. And, and I'm talking about being picky with your time. Um, yes. If you're going to do a filling and it takes 30 minutes, next time go for 25 and see if you can still do a good filling. 15 may not work, so maybe 20 to 25, that's your, you can do it like that. Um, because almost with anything, you can cut down some time and still be efficient and still get good results. And that's being productive, like taking care and preserving your time. And the same thing go when you're at home with your kids, right? Sometimes an extra five minutes talking to your kids will make a difference. Like if you spend five minutes reading to the kids, that's different than you just sending the kid to bed, right? That's five minutes of production or productivity time mm -hmm. that you use with your kids. But you only think like that if you, if you look at how am I spending my time, okay? Right. Or, or is it five minutes I'm just going to be checking out some stuff on Facebook? Or whatever, however you spend your time. So I say clarity, courage, influence, productivity. Those are some of my very, um, you know, I love those because I think it makes a difference for you as a person growing. And if you take that and you apply it to your business, you're going you're gonna to just, uh, what's the term? You're going to blow up because a lot of times people don't realize your business growth is limited by your personal growth. Um, Absolutely. You talk to somebody who does real well, number-wise or whatever, they, they have a different mindset. So our job is to say, how do I get to that mindset? I'll tell you, great advice. And I lied because I am going to say just a little bit more. Learn how to eat an elephant. The problem is, is that when you look at all these things, they seem like so much. Mm -hmm. But if you think that you could be 1% better every day, it's 365% better every year. And that, my friends, is huge. 
And the next thing I would say is when you have a goal, teach other people how to eat that elephant too. You want to increase to 1.25 million a year from one. That's only about $260 a day for the average practice. Assuming you take four weeks off and you only work four days a week. Break those numbers down and say, what can we do to add $260 to this practice? Well, that's just four patients that get adult fluoride. Let's do a better job with adult fluoride. Oh, well, um, fluoride trace. This patient is a high-risk group. You know, they've had, if you remember your DMFR scores from school, run a DMFR score on every single patient just as a matter of habit. You're going to find you have a lot of high-caries patients in your practice who you could put a neutralizing agent that has a balanced pH, something like carry-free, um, the CTX 5000 gel. You sell them a $200 tray that can also be used for whitening, and it protects their teeth, and they get the whitening they want, and it decreases their sensitivity from the whitening. What kind of win is that for everybody? It's a win for your practice. It's a win for the patient. It's good medicine. Learn to think that way, guys. And when you do, your success will be boundless. I, I so, agree. And, and, it, and don't think that you have to be the one doing it. Oh, no. What you just uh, mentioned no. there, that's auxiliary, right? It is. And, but, you, but you have to think bigger. That's why I, when, when it's thinking about your time, hey, I only want to spend this much time in the office. And that time, I'm going to be in the patient's mouth. So Absolutely. how do I grow without, you know, adding a day? Well, adding things that other people can do to I, increase the income. I, I tell you, if I, could, if I could have just associates just do the work that I prescribe and sell, I'd be so happy. I enjoy the act of discussing treatment plans with patients because I'm good at it. You know, uh, we enjoy what we're good at. Find what right. you're good at. Enjoy life. Now, if you'd like to enjoy life more and you'd like your practice to be a bit healthier, you yourself would like to grow as a person and you would like to impact the health of your practice, the health and happiness of your family, and let's not forget the health and happiness of your team. Contact Dr. Emily Latran and see if you can get her to, to give you a diagnosis. So Emily, how can they contact you? Well, they can go to my website. Is DrEmilyLetran.com, so D-R-E-M-I-L-Y-L-E-T-R-A-N.com. Okay. I'm, on all, I'm on social media. I'm on the different Facebook groups. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I'm on Instagram sometimes. So people send me message, you know, in different, different platforms. And um, what I usually do, sometimes we just write back and forth messaging. And then I would say, you know, how about we just hop on a call? And you tell me your one challenge, I see if I can help you, right? Because I'm, I'm not good in sitting there and typing all of these things. It just, right. it, it's faster when we can just talk <laughs> and get, but again, going back to being productive, right? You want me to sit there and type this? Or can we just talk for five minutes? Right. And I can just give you that answer. And sometime in asking you some question, I know that there's more to it, right? This, this issue of not having patience, it could be, you know, and you wanted to make more money, it could be how you diagnosing, how you present yourself, how you take care of your staff, mm -hmm. how you, you know, like there's so many things, but people just say, okay, no, I just need help with this. I just want this. And that's okay. Because um, I learned from Dan Kennedy, right? He say, let's say how to get 30 customers, new customer. He said he doesn't know, but he knows 30 ways to get one customer. 
Right. And I can tell you the 30 ways, which one do you choose? Which one do you think is most effective? It all depends on how you're running your practice right now. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. So I would, I would love to have a conversation with our colleagues and see if I can help. And like we mentioned before, are we even a good fit? And because if we're not a good fit, we're not going to be happy. And I'm, I'm very, for me, it's very important to be happy. Um, that's one of the things my classmates tell me, what's wrong with you? 30 years later, you're still happy in dentistry. And I said, I don't know. I, I only do stuff that I like, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. And I, and I have this new passion, coaching people. Why would you want to do that? People just complain to you. No, it's because I know how to help, right? And, and, and I know how to not let it get to me. It's the same thing that some of our colleagues go home and bring the stuff with them, or they're thinking about the last patient, the last ground margin. <laughs> you know? Right. That and 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 it's you have to put that in perspective. If you already try your best, that one may not work out. Hey, tomorrow call the patient. You know what? Just come back for a check, and then you tell the patient, you know what? I think I want to redo this for you. It, it's it's really that. It's really that stop simple. Stop losing, stop losing sleep. Exactly. You know, <laughs> stop losing sleep over it. Well, Emily, thank you so much for joining us today and helping our members here at the Business of Dentistry and the Dear Doc Podcast uh, maybe think a little bit differently about themselves and their successes and their failures, and maybe give them a more healthy way of um, of dealing with that. Folks, thank you for joining us. And listening to the sound of our voices drone on for about an hour and a half. Long interview, but really, really my pleasure doing it. This is Dr. Emily Latran, Dr. Christopher Huffpower, signing off for the Deer Dot Podcast. We'll see you later. Thanks for listening to the Deer Doc Podcast, your source for the business and legal questions associated with your dental practice. Don't forget to subscribe to the Deer Doc Podcast on all major platforms.